Welcome to the Agency Growth Machine Podcast, where it's all about transforming potential into profit. And now your host, Randy Schwantz. Everybody, this is Randy Schwantz. Welcome to another episode of Agency Growth Machine, how to transform potential into profit. And look, it's true for you. It's true for me. It's true for all of us. There's a lot more potential in us. What's the secret to getting that potential out, turning it into profit, turning it into something great? Well, it's going to take hard work, but more than anything, a mindset, turn on the brain, brain thinking about things differently. So um, here's the question I want to lead with. If you are not saving 45 to 60 grand per year and have the ability to sustain that for at least 20 years or longer, then there's a good chance you could have serious financial problems somewhere in your future. Look, as I dig into today, I'm quoting from this book, Winning Through Intimidation, Robert Ringer wrote in 73, 1973. I got it maybe 75, 76. I read through it. In fact, I remember riding from the ski slope in Rio in New Mexico back to Lubbock, Texas, reading through this book, telling my friend about it, Winning Through Intimidation. Man, this thing's got great theories in it. This is good stuff. And he goes, oh, it sounds horrible. What do you mean it sounds horrible? Yeah, winning through intimidation. So I didn't even know what it was. And so all we're getting at here is that intimidation is motivation by fear. When somebody tries to intimidate you, they try to motivate you by fear. There's really only about one type of intimidation you ought to pay serious attention to. And that's when somebody's got a gun to your head and they're probably irrational on drugs and they need another fix and they just can kill you and let you live. You should be scared of that. You should be deathly scared of that. But almost all other fears, the things that, that people try to do, where, where somebody's throwing down the power card, the money card. I mean, like when you go in with the, with the prospect and they're playing this whole, you know, I'm, I'm too good for this. Or they're playing the whole thing. Like, who are you? What do you bring to the table? That's all, that's all intimidation. And either you're going to be a subject of it and cow down to it. And it's going to make you feel small and lower your self-esteem and your self-image, or you're going to prep in a way that that's highly expected. If they do, they do. If they don't, they don't. It really doesn't matter. So winning through intimidation is really preparing you so that when it comes, and it will, there'll be tough times that you're ready for it. It's that simple. And so in his book, he's got some great things. And that's what I want to try to touch on here today. And the first thing, kind of in the introduction, he talks about the fact that human nature has been the same, going back to the days of Confucius and Buddha and Jesus and Socrates, and that it's a safe bet it'll be pretty much the same 2,000 years from now. And I think dude's right. Um, I was studying some stuff. I mean, Robin Sharma brings it up. Uh, he's the author of the 5 a.m. club. Uh, Ray, uh, I can't think of his last name. He's the book of principles. He's a, worth $18 billion. Um, a lot of people are bringing it up now. The, the, the amygdala, that's that part of our brain back here that, that is the primitive part of the brain. And, and back when our forefathers walked out of the cage, the amygdala was searching for either reward or or threat. Threat could be a, a, a native tribe, indigenous tribe coming after you, trying to kill you. A threat could be a tiger that's going to jump on you and kill you. A reward could be an apple or, you know, a bunch of bees and a bunch of honey. So 
So that part of your brain is always searching. It's unconscious, always looking. And when there is a threat, what automatically happens is we as humans go into fight, flight, or fear. We either run like hell, we either suck it up, or we punch back. That's the amygdala at work. So all he's saying right here is that it's been that way since before. It's that way now. And it's probably going to be that way deep into the future. It's human nature. Nothing new there. But what he does say is this. Um, so I'm about the truth is awful, painful. People simply do not like pain. Uh, and they, and they, they choose to live in a world of delusion, stubbornly refusing to accept the unforgiving realities, realities of life no matter how great the evidence to su support such realities would be. And he just goes on to say, self-delusion leads to certain failure, and failure leads to misery. Let's do some delusion. Delusion is seatbelts don't save lives. I'm not going to wear my seatbelt. And so you don't wear your seatbelt. Boom, you run into somebody, throws you to the windshield, you die. That's delusionary thinking, that you don't, seatbelt wouldn't help you. You know, if you ride a motorcycle, that you don't wear a helmet. Uh, delusionary thinking is, and look, there's evidence that says somebody can smoke for a hundred years and drink a, you know, uh, uh, two or three bottles of whiskey a day and still make it to 120 look better than you and I. But most people who smoke two or three packs of cigarettes a day and drink a bottle of whiskey don't make it. Thinking you could would be delusional. So that's all we're trying to get into is delusional thinking leads to certain failure. Delusional thinking for you and I would be uh, I don't need money in the future. Uh, money will come to me from the heavens. I'll read that book, uh, whatever it is, The Secret, and I will send out my, my little vibrations into the heaven and back will come money. Well, it's not true. You got to work. You got to do things. You need so much money to send your kids to, to, to college and pay for weddings. You need so much money to build to retire. I mean, it's just real. Anything less than that is delusional. And so to think that, to be able to make that money, you don't have to work would be delusional, that you don't need skills, you don't need knowledge. And so all that would lead to misery. And so what's the value of that misery? Well, it's no value at all, except that it just makes your life worth worse. So um, here in chapter one, he talks about shattering myths. And I find this really compelling. The first chapter says, the overriding message in many motivation and personal development books is that if a person just maintains a positive mental attitude and works long, hard hours, he will ultimately succeed. He says, a nice thought to be sure, but one that borders more on mysticism than it does reality. I've got a copy of the book, uh, Think and Grow Rich. It doesn't say, be positive and grow rich. It doesn't say sit around and become rich. It says think about what you need to do, take action, and grow rich. It's about engaging the mind, figuring things out, figure out what is reality and where you bring value. So here's what's interesting. There are jungle predators out there, and they don't have a whole lot of interest in your positive mental attitude or your work ethic. They're out here to take advantage of you. And so when I think about it in our business selling commercial insurance, the jungle predator, the predator out in the jungle, the bad guy, that's the incumbent agent. There is always an incumbent agent. That is a reality. And there's another reality. There's a buyer. And, 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 and you're an unknown in most cases. Those are all just, just realities. 
why wouldn't you deal with them? Why wouldn't you deal with the fact that, that there's an incumbent and if you can't get that guy fired, you can't get hired. And so therefore you need a strategy and a preparation to be able to go do that and do that effectively. Why wouldn't you just acknowledge the fact that there's a buyer and to you, the buyer or to the buyer, you are an unknown. They don't know much about you. So you're high risk. Sometimes it's better the devil you know than the one you don't. Why wouldn't we also acknowledge that most buyers don't know what they want? I mean, how many sales calls have you and your colleagues been on where you say, how's it going? And they say, fine. How's your service been? They say, good. Any problems with claims? No, not really. What about coverage? No, not really. What about price? Yeah, we're always looking to save money. So he says here, he says, my rewards did not come until I invested a great deal of time and thought into carefully analyzing my frustrating failures of the past and developing the courage to allow truth and logic to prevail. What's the truth? There's an incumbent. What's the truth? You have to somehow spend a significant amount of effort to build set appointments with people. Unless, unless you've got some special gig going on that most of us don't have. It's all just based upon truth. And so what's wrong with shattering those untruths, those myths? And the problem is that a positive mental attitude by itself is not good enough. And he goes on to say, just fake it until you make it are perhaps the most damaging motivational words ever spoken. Yet I've heard this phrase repeated by positive mental attitude enthusiasts many times over the years. Fake it till you make it. Just keep trying. It's horrible advice. Bad advice. And he goes on to say, in reality, you can't acquire a positive mental attitude simply by standing in front of a mirror and reciting self-energizing slogans, force-feeding your mind with positive thoughts, or heartily shaking people's hands while grinning ear to ear and loudly exclaiming, great, when someone asks you how things are going. I remember there's a time, man, guy, it was brutal. I was struggling. And that's when Bo Derek and the movie Tin came out. And, you know, some people were wearing these little necklace, little tin hanging on it, the number 10. And so I was stupid enough to go buy one of those because I was trying to delude myself into having a positive attitude that it was worthwhile. Where on the inside, man, I felt my self-image, my self-esteem was rock bottom. And I was trying to fake it rather than just dealing with the truth and figure out why that was the case. Why was it that I wasn't making money? Why was it that I wasn't getting the jobs I wanted? Why was it? And then go focus on that rather than something else. So we're talking about positive mental attitude here. It says, by contrast, a real positive mental attitude can play a major role in one's success, but such an attitude is the result, listen to this carefully, is a result of being prepared. In other words, a true positive mental attitude is possibly only through one's having the ammunition to back it up. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to score par today out on the golf course. Nice attitude. Do you have the ammunition to back it up? And that ammunition would be you can swing that golf club, hit the ball in the middle of the fairway, a nice long distance. You can swing the golf club, put it on the green. You can hit the putter and put it in the cup and do it in par. If not, you're not going to get a 72, no matter how positive you are. You need that ammunition to back it up. He says you develop a positive mental attitude by being good, at what you do by understanding the realities of what it takes to succeed and by having the self-discipline to base your actions on those realities. So again, I go back, you're a producer. 
There's an incumbent. He's got to lose for you to win. You're an agency owner. You have producers. Isn't it delusional to think that your producers are going to self-develop? I mean, you already got a history. You got one, two, three, four, five, ten years with these cats. And they've kind of gotten to a place and then they've just kind of, they've kind of tailed off. And the problem is they're not making more money. You're not making more money. I mean, the average agency out there is growing at 3%. And to think that, to think that producers, I don't need to train them. I don't need to develop them. I don't need to put them in a system. I don't need to squeeze their brain and make it stronger or that you're capable of doing it. It's all delusional. They need it. You need it. People need that force to go grow. Now, you might not want it, and that's a whole different thing. So come on, it goes. He says, at some point, it occurred to me that even though I possessed a reasonable amount of self-confidence and was well-prepared, I was still lacking a method for sustaining my positive mental attitude in the face of repeated disappointments. This evolved into one of his earliest theories and promoted a major shift in his career. And here's the theory. He calls it the theory of next. This is powerful. It states the key to maintaining a positive mental attitude is to recognize that no one deal is that important. I mean, every time I do a workshop, I always sit there and go, look, um, you, guys, you, guys are, you guys are independently wealthy by definition. And here's why this is important. Um, buyers are liars. To the, degree, to the degree that you need the deal is the degree that you're subject to a buyer's manipulation. And they'll do it. They do it all the time. And how they manipulate you. Again, they withhold information. They tell you fake truths. Uh, they tell you have a chance. They swing a little carrot in front of you. Go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, we'll, we're going to consider what you got going on. All a bit of a big old fake lie, manipulation intimidation to try to get you to do something, which is give them free information so they can keep the incumbent um, safe or honest. So when he came up with the next deal theory, which says the key to maintaining a positive mental attitude is to recognize that no one deal is that important. Because it's not. The person with a true positive mental attitude possesses the power to say next and quickly move on to the next deal when things don't work out. It's called resilience. Just bounce back. Hey, it didn't work. Next, I can't find pain. Next, uh, he didn't want to cooperate. Next, he didn't want to give me financials. Next, he didn't want to give me loss runs. Next, he didn't want to sign the cares I want. Next. Now, people who can't say next, what they do is, is they set themselves up to do a lot of work and get rolled. Now, some people are going, yeah, but sometimes it works. Yeah, sometimes it does work. But is it a good strategy? Does it work often enough? Does that make sense to you? So it goes, so part and parcel to a true positive mental attitude is having the mental toughness to move quickly onto the next deal when a deal you've been working on blows up. And here's kind of the summary of this. Anticipating continual short-term setbacks has the positive effect of deflating their impact on your mental state when they occur. See, when you, when you anticipate short-term setbacks, it helps with your mental state so that when it happens, it's like big deal. It's like the shooter's memory. You know, if you're a basketball player like Jordan or Sean, uh, um, oh, God, why can't I say his name, with the Golden State, Steph Curry. 
You shoot, you miss, you just come back down and shoot again. You expect to miss. You don't expect to hit them all. And then when you miss, you just come back and you do another one. That's the next theory. And um, it goes, in, 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 which in, in turn paves the way for long-term success. So here's what we're trying to say is, number one, positive mental attitude, not enough. You need to back it up by being good at what you do. Now, even though when you're really good at what you do, you know, preparation with positive mental attitude makes you better, but positive mental attitude without preparation really makes you weak. So now when you put the two together, you're strong. But how do you sustain that? Well, you sustain it by just acknowledging the fact that things are not going to work out all the time. And when they don't, it was predictable. And then that keeps you a mental attitude. So you keep on going. It's the theory of next. You keep going. And that really becomes the basis, paves the way for long-term success. Golly, man, I, I think about all the times, all the times I've been kicked in the teeth. I mean, who hasn't that is really successful? And there's a few. I remember I was in Nashville one time doing a wedge workshop. And I kind of go, now I'm telling the whole story about, we call it a typical sales call where you go in get a chance to quote, bring it back, get rolled. So I finished that story. And then I get this kind of dull nothing from the audience. I said, is there anybody in here that's never been rolled? And this guy kind of holds his hand up a little bit. I said, you've never been rolled? He goes, no, but I've been bent over. And then I just kind of laughed and it sounds like you like it. But the point is, he's delusional. He doesn't want to tell the truth. Um, and so the more we get real about what's going on, uh, set you up to be able to deal with it better, makes you resilient. Resilient is capacity to recover from difficulties. It's mental toughness. I was watching the game yesterday. A uh, new kid with uh, San Diego Chargers. He had to go in for the, the starting quarterback, got hurt. And, man, they, they, they took Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City Chiefs right to the end. Well, he had a chance to win that game, and he didn't. But mental toughness, man, he'll pop back. He'll go get in the huddle. He'll go to practice. And he'll be ready next week. That's mental toughness. So there you go. Positive mental attitude, not enough. You got to be resilient. Back it up. Number two, theory of next. Uh, that's how you sustain the positive mental attitude. And then number three here I want to get into is called um, the theory of reality. The theory of reality states this. Reality is neither the way you wish things to be, nor the way they appear to be, but the way they actually are. Either you acknowledge reality and use it to your benefit, or it will automatically work against you. So once again, if you're a producer, here's a reality. There's an incumbent. It's a reality. There's an incumbent. The incumbent has a relationship. Is it good or bad? We don't know. Uh, but you got to assume that it's good. Um, number three, you're an unknown in most cases. Um, and, in, and here's, here's number four. If you rely on price coverage, the incumbent can easily match your deal and will probably keep the business. Those are just realities. Here's the reality. If you, if you own an agency and you want to grow it, your number one source to grow it is through producers. Now, if you owned a stock portfolio, and let's say you had a bunch of stocks or you got a bunch of mutual funds, then what you're going to do more than likely is you're going to, you're going to leverage 
your good ones and sell off your bad ones that are losing your money. Um, in this context, if you're an agency owner, you got good producers, you got really bad producers. Good producers, you need to feed, continue to train and coach. And you know, sometimes people go, well, you know, he he makes his goals, or well, you know, he's got a three-quarter million dollar book of business. We decide to leave him alone. Well, here's what's weird: a three-quarter million dollar book of business could be a million and a half dollar book of business. Chances are, truth be known, that person would want to be a million and a half dollar book of business. Who would not rather make a half million dollars rather than a quarter million dollars? Well, Randy, some people just don't. Yeah, but how do you know unless you drive it, lead them to it, build this confidence, build their self-esteem, help them see what that could be like? So when we go back to the theory of reality, the reality is um, things aren't the way you wish they are, nor necessarily the way they appear to be. Reality is reality. And when you acknowledge it, you can go leverage it. If you're a producer, I can acknowledge there's an incumbent. So now I got to get better at my differentiation. There's a buyer. I got to get better at building relationships and get inside their head and find out what they want. Uh, I need to create better differentiation and get the buyer to see the incumbent's not doing his job. That's dealing with reality. Again, it is agency principle. I got a reality. I got all these producers. I need to develop them if I want to grow my agency. I need to hire winners, not losers, if I want to do it. I mean, it's like, you know, uh, when you when you hire a dud, man, you're draining the well. You're just wasting a lot of money. You're not getting anywhere. You go back to ground zero every time you fire a guy. So when you start to put that all together, possibly attitude's not enough. You need to sustain it with ability, right? Um, that in, even though you have a positive mental attitude and you can back it up, the next piece is to sustain it, you got to build just a next Producer, new producer, you hire it, didn't work out. Next, move on. Made a mistake, boom, move on. Your producer, you go see somebody, didn't work out. Next, move on. And the theory, reality is it is what it is. Let's deal with it. Let's not, let's not, let's not imagine that carriers love you more than they really love you. To the carriers, you are a production source to help them meet their numbers. Chances are when you quit producing for them, or you retire, nobody's pulling out their credit card, nobody's taking you golfing anymore. I mean, it's a value for value relationship, you know, and you call them, they're your partners, then they are your partners. They're your partners when things are good, and they're your enemy when things are bad. That's just real. They're your partners when they'll write stuff you want, and they're your enemy when they won't write stuff you want. That's just real. So when you start to look at reality for what it is, now you can go leverage it and do some things Either grow your agency through producers, or if you're a producer, grow your book through new accounts. And life becomes better. And so we go back to where we got started. If you're not saving 45 to 60 grand per year and, and have the ability to sustain that, you could be having serious financial problems in the future. If you want to solve those financial problems, you got to get on the path. I call it the path to million dollar producer. And we do that through this thing we call Big Nation. So if you, if you want to sit there and see what does a path look like, Go to my website, thewedge.net slash bignition, B-I-G-N-I-T-I-O-N, thewedge.net slash bignition. Grow big or stay home. Talk to you soon.